as I was preparing uh, this week and, and studying uh, the epistle lesson from Galatians chapter 4, uh, it, it reminded me of, of a time in my life uh, that I often remember as, as sort of a, a very pivotal point uh, in my life of faith. Um, I, I know we Lutherans, were not real big on the whole personal testimony kind of thing. Uh, but if you actually look at the scriptures, you often see uh, that we come to know and, and understand a lot about who God is uh, through actual individual stories of, of people uh, wrestling with God. Uh, we come to know a lot about how he relates to us through that. And, and as I think of this time in my life, I, I often remember it as a, a moment uh, that there was actually kind of very uh, clear wrestling with God. It, it was really the, the time that I first started seriously thinking about uh, going into to ministry uh, as, as a uh, as an option for, for my for my life, uh, for for my career, uh, more importantly for for my vocation and, and calling, uh, and place where God was sending me. And uh, what really brought it about, I, I think, was was that for me, like a lot of people, uh, I grew up in the church, grew up uh, in uh, the Lutheran faith, and, and I think that for me. Faith and, and Christianity had kind of just become sort of this thing that I did from time to time, like kind of a weekend hobby. And, and when I started to, to recognize and, and read the scriptures and, and see a little bit more clearly that, that the Christian faith, it's not just sort of this weekend hobby, but it's actually something that encompasses every part of our lives it brought about this kind of wrestling with, with that truth and, and that reality. And so then I went off to college, and, and that was the moment that, that I first really started thinking about, okay, maybe, maybe I do want to, to be a pastor. And that point of, of wrestling with, with what Scripture teaches, with, with what it calls us to, um, it, it made me genuinely want to, to serve God. It made me want to, in fact, actually lead other people to, to do the same, to, to lead other people to, to see their entire lives caught up in the worship of Jesus. And, and it made me want to, to sort of leave behind kind of old habits, bad habits, sinful habits. It, it made me want it to cast all that stuff off and, and, and genuinely follow Jesus. And, and I think that for a while, in, in that early part of college, it kind of worked a little bit. I was able to, to turn from some things and, and I was able to, to embrace new ways of living and, and devote more of, of my time to, to studying the scriptures and, and reflecting on, on who God was and, and who he was calling me to be. But after a while, it got really, really tiring. Because I think that, that what my mentality was is, is that with this sort of newfound understanding and, and this new desire to, to follow Jesus, I felt like I kind of had to make up for lost time. That there were mistakes that I had made that I needed to kind of undo or, or, or sort of make payment for. Things that, things that I had done or, or, or failed to do that, that I wanted to get right going forward. I needed to get the future straight because the past I maybe messed up from time to time. 
Now, now the reason that I tell this is is because the more I encounter people and and the more I I, I walk alongside people in in their life of faith, the more I, I think that this is true for a lot of people in the church. That, that in our, our, our joy and love for the gospel, we have this desire to, to do what God calls us to do. We, we have this desire to, to serve, to, to grow in our faith, to study the scriptures. And, and so we want to take up different things in, in the church. We want to enter into leadership. And, and we, we spend time telling people about the faith, sharing Christ with our neighbor, But that genuine joy of, of serving Christ and, and embracing the life that the gospel calls us to, it very easily and quickly turns into an obligation. It, it very easily turns into us feeling like, you know, Jesus got me in, but, but now it's kind of up to me to stay in this faith. That, that the cross was enough to bring me into the church, but now I, it's up to me to stay in. And I tell it because I think a lot of people, they, they experience that. And, and in fact, this is precisely what the letter of Galatians kind of addresses. See, by the time we, we get to, to chapter 4, what we read this morning, Paul has already made a, a thorough defense against what we commonly call in the church legalism. See, the the Christians in in Galatia, they were zealous for Jesus. They they had heard the gospel. They had heard the message of what Christ had done, and they had heard this news that suddenly this covenant, this promise that God had made with Israel, it wasn't just for Israel, it was open to the entire world. And so Jew and Gentile alike, they're flocking to the church. They're coming to know the goodness of Jesus. But what many in this church had kind of fallen into was this notion that while maybe Jesus opened the door for everyone, we still have to adhere to all of these laws all of these rules, all of these regulations, specifically in the church there, it was this rule of of circumcision. That men who were of the faith, men who were brought into the church, Jew or Gentile, needed to be circumcised in order to really take part in the covenant. They had fallen into this trap that God loves us, that He embraces us, that He welcomes us, on the basis of of our obedience to the law apart from faith in Jesus. And so Paul, he throughout this letter, and, and you read this elsewhere in the New Testament, he makes this defense that no, it is not adherence to the law. It's not your obedience that causes God to love you, forgive you, and embrace you. It is faith in Jesus. And so what we read this morning... Paul speaks of of when the fullness of time had come. He speaks of when Christ was sent into the world and and what he came to do. But I want to actually back up a few verses. As Paul kind of paints here this picture of the situation that Jesus entered into when he was born on Christmas. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. 
Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So what Paul is saying, he's drawing this analogy between the relationship between Jews and Gentiles, those born of Israel and those born outside of Israel. And he's drawing this connection, this analogy between that relationship and the relationship between a child growing up in the house of his father who is going to inherit everything and and slaves in that same household. And he says that as long as he's a child, as long as this child is living under the managers, under the guardians, under other people who have authority over him, he's not really all that different than just another slave or or worker in the household. And he's saying that Jews and Gentiles, so long as their relationship with God was mediated through the law, they really weren't all that different. That Jew and Gentile alike would experience life as as sort of this form of enslavement. As long as, as to get access to God, you had to go through the rules and regulations given in the law, life would be like slavery. And, and we see this in, in the life of Israel. Everything about their life as a people, it was concerns over cleanliness. Have I followed the rules of cleanliness? Have we offered the right sacrifices? And you had to go through the priests and the tabernacle or the temple. And all of the things about their relationship with God was mediated by these rules and these regulations. And those same rules and regulations for Israel served as a reminder to the Gentiles of their alienation, of the fact that they had been cut off from the promise. And in order for them to become a part of the promise, they had to go through those same rules and regulations. They had to undergo the purification. They had to undergo circumcision. They they had to start following all of these same dietary laws. And what Paul is saying here, as long as that was the case, life would be like slavery. That Jews, though they were heirs of the promise, they really weren't all that different than the Gentiles. That is, until the appointed time for them to inherit everything came. Which is what he says is precisely happened when God sent Jesus Verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Paul's saying here that God sent his own son. When God sent Jesus, he sent his son who was co-equal with the father, who was of the same substance as God the father. He sent His Son to be born into that same situation. Though Jesus, by His nature, deserved authority over everything, Jesus was born 
into our world, born into our flesh, and lived life under the authority of the law, under the authority of those guardians and managers that the law provided. And he came and was born into that situation to do what the law could not do. Bring about redemption. Jesus was born under that law and he fulfilled it perfectly. He kept it to a T. He he fulfilled it all because we couldn't. Jesus' perfect obedience as the perfect Son of God brings about something that the law could never cause. The law could only bring about by itself slavery. But what Jesus does is he turns that slavery, he ends that time of enslavement, and he actually causes us to be adopted as sons in the family of God. So because of Jesus, because of his perfection and his obedience, we are no longer slaves. We no longer have to work and toil and clean ourselves up for God to accept us. But because of Jesus and his obedience, we are considered sons and daughters and heirs of the kingdom of God. And because we are sons and daughters, we receive all of the benefits that sons and daughters receive. Verse 6, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Because we are no longer slaves, but sons and daughters of God, that means we have direct access to the Father. No longer is our relationship to God mediated through the law, but now it is mediated through Christ, who is himself God. We can go to God directly. We don't have to go through the priests and the rituals and the sacrifices. We don't have to clean ourselves up and and follow the rules and regulations and the dietary laws. We don't have to do any of that. We have God's own ear. And whenever we would doubt whether we are really sons or daughters of God, God has given us the Spirit of Christ which dwells in our hearts and testifies to this promise that we are children of God. And so we're no longer slaves, no longer having our access to God mediated through the law, but now we are sons and daughters. And because we are sons and daughters, because we have received the gift that Christ's perfection won, that means we receive everything that Jesus received. The great gift of the gospel, the great message that we remembered on Christmas is that the Son of God, He was born into our flesh. He comes into our world as our brother so that we would know God not as a slave master, but that we would know God as our Father. So that we would experience the gift and the benefit of living life as sons and daughters of the living God. You know, I know that um, New Year's Eve and, and the whole New Year, it's not a church holiday. 
but given that that we happen to to be gathered today on on a day that for many people is sort of a time where we take up new things and and try to turn over a new leaf or exercise more or eat better. I, I want to reflect. I want us to reflect on on this question as we look ahead to the upcoming year. Where have we been living? Where have you been living as a slave? When God is calling you to experience the freedom and the joy of sonship. Where have you been living life as a slave when Jesus is inviting you to experience life as God's son or daughter? And maybe for you it's it's that legalism that that Paul addresses. Maybe your life in the church and and everything that you do is caught up in in trying to garner God's favor. Thinking that, I don't know if the gospel, if that message of the cross is really enough. And so I need to work and toil and and do a little bit more and, and try to make up for past mistakes. Or maybe for you it's just the opposite. Maybe the gospel has become for you just this license to live however you want. Right? We get to experience freedom. So let's make the most of it. Let's live it up. But what we end up finding with that mentality, it's not actual freedom. It's just a different kind of enslavement. We become enslaved to our desires. We become enslaved to to our wants. We just end up trading enslavement to the law to enslavement to ourselves. And that kind of enslavement, it just turns us in on ourselves. It cuts us off from the people around us. It cuts us off from God. You know, I'll be honest. What it is for me, it's often materialism. This idea that, that stuff will bring us happiness. And it, and it seems like all the marketing and everything surrounding the holidays just kind of stokes that desire. And that I think that, that true joy, true freedom, it, it, it resides in, in having a little bit more. Or, or something a little bit newer. Or, or something a little bit nicer. But you see, the only problem with that is is more and newer and nicer, they're never enough for very long, are they? Because there's always more. There's always newer. There's always nicer. Where are we experiencing life? Where are we living as slaves when Jesus is inviting us to live in the joy and the freedom of sonship? What what is it for you? Maybe it's being caught up in in success. If I earned a little bit more, if if I achieved a little bit more, if I climbed the ranks a little bit higher, then I would be happy. What is it? Because the invitation of the gospel, it is not just an invitation to some other kind of of religious enslavement. The invitation that we have in the gospel is true, genuine freedom from every form of enslavement. It is an invitation to live life free from 
enslavement to the law, free from enslavement to our desires, free from obsession with getting more stuff. The invitation of the gospel is to live as a son and daughter who is promised that you will inherit everything because you will inherit the very kingdom of God that Jesus has won for you. Because the invitation of the gospel, what we receive, the message that that says to us, is the exact thing that every form of enslavement always calls into question. Because what the gospel says to each and every one of us is it says, you are enough. The gospel says you are enough. You don't have to get a little better. You don't have to live life a a, a little bit more freely. You don't have to have a little bit more. You don't have to clean yourself up. The gospel says because of the perfection of Jesus, you right now in whatever mess your life is in, you are enough. You are enough because Jesus has already fulfilled the law perfectly. There's nothing left to do. I know I've, or at least I'm fairly certain I've I've shared these words from from Martin Luther in a sermon before. But it's, they're words that I I find myself constantly coming back to uh, as a reminder of what is at the heart of the gospel. It's Thesis 26 from his Heidelberg Disputation. He writes, the law says do this and it is never done. Grace says, believe in this, and everything is already done. The law constantly says, do this. It's never done. And it doesn't matter which law it is that you're trying to accomplish. It could be the law of God in Scripture. It will constantly say, do more, try harder, and it'll never be enough. It could be that law of of following our our desires and our pleasures, and it will just say more, more, more. Feed that appetite, and it will never be enough. That law of materialism will always say you need more. That law of success will always say there's more to achieve. But the gospel says, simply believe in this. Simply believe that God truly sent forth His own Son to be born under the law and fulfill that law perfectly. And simply believe that because of Jesus, you have been made a son, you have been made a daughter of the God of the universe. Simply believe in this. Simply believe that everything has already been done. Because you are a child of God, you are an heir to his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.